You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast, following his discussion of the Toledot of Adam in Genesis chapter 5. Father Paul explains how God manages to continue his plan and salvage humanity despite the people's disobedience. I am happy to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. Okay, we started talking about what is referred to as Toledot Adam in chapter 5. I took my time to concentrate on the first part, Adam and Seth, which was extremely important because this is the part that sets the tone for the rest of the genealogy, which is repetitive for the common ear, you know, it's just someone bore a child at a certain age, and then after that, other sons and daughters, and then died, and his sons take over. But the phraseology of the first part is very important, and I stress that, and we took our time to discuss it, that it includes terminology from Genesis 1, So really, the image and the likeness that got put in Adam is communicated through sheer procreation. Let me repeat that. In the case of the kings, we need to have the assignment of every heir to become the king. Today, I have begotten you on the throne. And it reflects divine will. The genealogy of Adam is a low blow, a curveball against kingship. And we talked about the length of years last time and so It's a punch in the face in the sense that God does not need to intervene every time. The primogeniture is de facto the heir. In the case of the kings, let me repeat, even if you have the first son that is potentially the one who would be king, it is not necessarily so. Okay, he may die, you may have another one, and so on and so forth. So that is very powerful, and it needs repetition systematically. It is as though God inscribed his will in the DNA. That's it. We don't need every time the intervention of God. And that goes hand in hand with what I stressed in my book, that God disappears. He goes away. He does his business and he awaits for us until the end of days. It is not as theology and mysticism and religion stress he interferes every time every day we pray to him and he answers and so on it is as though we are controlling him so the phraseology is very important i apologize for the repetition of last time but i think it's of the essence that it is so 
Now I would like to move to the rest of the genealogy and show how mainly essentially God does not dismiss his creation and that is in preparation of the flood. We don't have a new humanity as I keep hearing always in theology. There is no a new humanity. It is Noah, the son of Adam, who went into the ark with his three sons and their wives, and after the flood, the three sons begat. And it continues. And that's the way of God to say to the people that in spite of whatever you do, I'm going to continue my plan. Now, this is very nuanced in the genealogy of Adam because earlier we had a genealogy of Cain, which is not called Toledot in the Bible. And that is very important. The careful hearer would notice that something is going to happen. Cain is not the right guy. His genealogy is going to be eliminated. But it is eliminated and in a way salvaged indirectly. Again, the stress is on the fact that God continues his plan in spite of the disobedience of the people. Now, Cain, we notice, is eliminated, and it is Seth who took the place of Abel, very interestingly, at the end of chapter 4. So it is as though it is through Abel indirectly, and Abel, remember, was a shepherd, that God continues his plan. And we have Seth and then Enosh, these two names that appeared only at the end of chapter 4. In the genealogy of Cain, we have neither Seth nor Enosh. So clearly, in chapter 5, the book of the Toledot of Adam, God continues his plan that is anchored at the end of chapter 4, verses 25 and 26. But let's see how God, as I call it, salvages somehow some facets of humanity in spite of its disobedience. The first example is precisely the disappearance of Cain. We don't hear about Cain, but we have another name, Canaan. Now, when you read it in RSV, the names sound totally different or look totally different. One is Cain, C-A-I-N, and the other is Canaan, K-E-N-A-N. But interestingly, if you read the KJV, the second Canaan is spelled C-A-I-N-A-N. -A -A it reflects the original Hebrew. Okay, we have the first three consonants followed by an N at the end. So to the ear, somehow, Cain is still preserved. And this will be reflected later in the name of the descendants of this Canaan. We have it in English as Canaite or Canaites. But if you see it or hear it in Hebrew, 
we have the three letters of Cain, the Qaf, a Yod, and a Nun, Cain, followed by the E, which is the sound of pertaining to something. Like in Arabic, you say Lubnani, which is Lebanese, Suri, Syrian, and so on and so forth. Okay, so it is interesting later in Numbers and Judges, we have the Canaanites, and thus to the ear, they are the descendants of Cain. But at this juncture, this Canaan is not the immediate son of Adam, but he is the son of Adam through Seth and Enosh. Now, when we move ahead, we find something similar. And it's very striking that we have Enoch, the son of Cain, who was made as a stone, a city, instead of the flesh. We had talked about that, and this will be corrected at the end of Ezekiel. And Lamech, the last one in the genealogy of Cain, and we talked about the fact that it's a metathesis of Melech. Obviously, he's a king, he has two wives and so on, and he is in control, or he assumes that he's in control of everything. Now, we have Enoch and Lamech appearing again in the genealogy of Adam. But before going to them, I would like to approach the matter indirectly, that between the two in the genealogy of Cain in chapter 4, we had three names, Irad, Mehujael, and Methusael. Now, these disappeared completely. And the reason for their elimination, as I explained again then, that we have something unacceptable for the biblical author, that these three men, yalad, each of them yalad. In other words, it's the verb in its basic form that reflects only an action done by a woman that gives birth. Remember, to express the begetting of the male, the father, in the Bible systematically, we have the use of the hifil, the fifth form that reflects someone who makes someone else do something. Later in Exodus, as a footnote, we shall hear about the three women, the nurses that helped the Hebrew women to beget. We have the use of the other causative, which is form three, P'a'el. I'm stressing these things because I really want the hearers to tackle the original. Otherwise, we're not talking about the Bible. We're talking about our own view. What do you think of woman and man and marriage and children and family? We can't go by that. Remember, the authors were writing always against the grain, our grain. So these three people are totally eliminated. They are no good, although we don't hear about anything they have done or not done. 
they are basically not good because they usurped a function that is only the woman's as mother in the Bible. But the other two, Enoch and Lamech, are again, I use the word salvaged. Now, they are salvaged in two different ways. Again, that's very important. It's not that Cain is salvaged and Enoch is salvaged and Lamech is salvaged and then you continue as though, okay, we got the point. No, we have to get the point the way Scripture wants us to get the point. Well, the first one, the one that appears first, is Enoch. And Enoch is very important in chapter 5. He is totally transformed. But he is transformed the way in Scripture one is transformed. By becoming obedient to God and walking with him. And that is very striking. You can read it in any book. Anyone writing a book about Genesis chapter 5 is going to mention this. That twice in verses 22 and 24, we hear that Enoch walked in the form hithalek. Very important. We talked about that. As God walks in chapter 3. Hithalek with God. Very interesting. Twice it is with God. Notice, not with the Lord. It is with God, the supreme being, very clearly. That Enoch walked with God. That's why we don't hear in the text that he died. Again, here theology starts discussing, did he die? Did he die? That's not the point. The point is that all the others die, including Noah later after the flood. But the text does not mention that Enoch died. We hear that Enoch walked with God, walked with God, and then God took him. Very beautiful. That's it. Meaning if you walk with God during your lifetime, you will always be with God, whatever that means in the text, without entering into theology. So Enoch is different than all the other nine people, including Adam and Seth and Noah. Totally different. And thus he has been transformed. And in chapter 5, he acquires the meaning of his name, which has to do with renewal. Cain wanted to have his son Enoch otherwise by building a city and naming it after him. God does not change the essentially fleshly being of Enoch, yet the text concentrates on his walking. And thus, again, I'm trying to show my hearers, that the entire message of the Bible is already in Genesis chapter 1 through 4, and then again in 5, 6, 7, 8, up to 11, before Abraham appears. So that is the plan of God. He's dealing with the human being 
through the nations, as we shall see in chapter 10. Enoch has the full life reflected in that he lived 365 years, which means a full life. The year is 365 days. Now, when we move to Lamech, who is the grandson of Enoch. Between them, we have Methuselah. When we get to Lamech, then there are two things. Number one, he is the son of Enoch via Methuselah. And Lamech, the same Lamech, is the father of Noah. So there you go. In chapter 4, he begets two children as a king. Here we are told that he is going to beget the one that is found righteous and complete, sane in the eyes of God. But the movement is interesting because the son of Methuselah, and by the same token in the genealogy, father of Noah, his name means someone sends his death or someone sends him to his death. So the Islamic is again belittled. You see, it's not like Enoch. He is renewed. He is still belittled by having his son doomed to death. Although, interestingly, Lamech's lifespan is 777 years. So Lamech is still the same kind of person. Again, unlike Enoch. 777 the thrice holiness of God. He is divine. And yet, while Enoch does not die and is taken by God, Lamech begets someone who is name-wise already bound to die. Very powerful. Very powerful. That's what the text is telling us. But again, God beyond this Lamech who wanted to present himself as being still the king all-powerful 777. He wanted to present himself in the text. The text is presenting him. Begets Noah through someone bound to death. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.